It, this is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen? And I'm reading to you here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. The Bible says, therefore, you shall be perfect. Somebody say perfect. Just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Somebody say perfect. Somebody shout perfect. Now in Hebrews uh, chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, it says, even though he was a son, somebody say a son, yet he learned obedience. Somebody say learn. learn. Obedience is a learned behavior. You can learn to obey God. Your children can learn to obey you. And the Bible says, even though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered. And having been perfected, somebody say perfected. Perfected, they're talking about having completed all, having finished what he came to do. Having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Amen? Amen. Well, you may be seated. You may be seated. Well, this is going to be our fourth series in a series that we've entitled In Pursuit of Perfection. Now, because this is Resurrection Sunday, I, I want to place uh, the emphasis on Jesus. So the subtopic of this message is the perfect Savior. Somebody say the perfect Savior. The perfect Somebody savior. shout the perfect Savior. The perfect so, so because you were here and most of you were here on Friday night and familiar with the story, we're going to kind of talk back and forth as we present the case. Amen? So, so the word pursue means to follow after uh, to, in order to overtake, to chase, to strive for a goal or an aim, to strive for. Jesus came to earth with a purpose. He had a goal. He had an aim. He had something to accomplish and to complete. And then that word perfect means, from a biblical definition and viewpoint, it means to be complete and mature in various applications of labor, growth, and mental and moral character. So I believe as I read this definition, I think about Jesus, I think he fit this definition to a T. Yeah. I mean, you know, from that standpoint, that he was mature, he, in, in his, both his mental and moral character, he, he was blameless, that's what that definition talks about, to be blameless and upright. He was complete in his integrity. In other words, he had an undivided loyalty to God and he completely served him as well as mankind. And then also when we look at this definition of, of perfection, it says to reach the end, to complete or to finish. And I think that's what we want to see today, that he finished all that he came to do. Now, as we focus on Jesus on this Resurrection Sunday, my objective is to simply make the case that he is the perfect Savior. I'm here to act as a lawyer pleading a case. And I hope at the end, you being the jury will agree with me that he is the perfect Savior. Now, in, in order to make this case, Cliff, I can't start Friday night. But I got to go through Friday night to get to Sunday morning. But I got to start from the beginning. So my first evidence is that he had to be born. Perfect. Is that all right, Cliff? In Luke chapter 1, verse 34 and 35, we see the perfect birth announcement. You know, Mary was in a conversation with an angel who was announcing Jesus' birth. And, and during that time, he re revealed to her that the child that was going to be born to her was going to be a holy one. Holy one. Meaning that he was going to be born without sin. No blemish, no spots, no wrinkle. He was going to be born 
perfect. God was about to use an imperfect woman to bring forth a perfect son. And in order to do that, he had to have a perfect seed to go into that woman. But you've got to understand this, Cliff. The seed was perfect before it went into. Mary did not perfect the seed. The seed sanctified her and made her holy. So when we got to establish that Jesus was born perfect. Y'all look at this. Y'all in Luke chapter 1, verse 34, 35. He says this. Then the angel talking to Mary. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? In other words, he had told you, you're going to have a baby and it's going to be by the power of God. But she's thinking in the natural, me and Joe ain't even hooked up yet. How in the world can this be that I'm going to bring forth a child and I don't even know a man? But the angel got an answer. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit, I say the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit got something to do with it, that means that whatever he implanted in her is going to be will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, that Holy One, somebody say that Holy One, that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of So I submit to you as my first piece of evidence that Jesus was born perfect. He was born holy. He was born the Son of God. Go to Luke chapter 4. Because I got to build this case. And so I want to start when he was born. But Brother Daniels did a great job of giving us a litany of all the things he did on Friday night. I don't have time to relitigate his case. But I will take some evidence from part of it to just make my point. So, so, so he talked about all the miracles and things that Jesus did. I just want to stop at one thing that happened to let me know that his ministry was perfect. That he went about doing what God called him to do in a perfect manner as he healed those who were sick and, and delivered those who were possessed with demons and, and also did miraculous things with his disciples. He, he had a perfect ministry. Y'all in Luke chapter 4, verse 31 through 30. He says, then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching on the Sabbath. Somebody say on the Sabbath. To us, that'll be on Sunday. So imagine he was teaching a class on Sunday morning, and, and they were astonished at his teaching. For his words was with, uh, somebody say authority. In other words, Jesus wasn't just up there telling stories. He wasn't up there just to humor them. He was teaching with uh as one who could give some doctrine, as one who can give not just suggestions, Jesse, but he was teaching as one who could give some commands and some orders. See, sometimes when you come to church, you shouldn't just come for advice. You should come to be told some things that you need to do that's going to make your life better. And so sometimes when a man or woman of God stands up here, they got to preach with some uh See, it ain't time to be wimpish when you're trying to get people to change their life. Jesus was teaching with all. Ain't nothing wrong with bringing a little bit of authority to the table when you present the case. Because some people got to be convinced, and you got to have a convincing argument based on the authority that you're speaking. So Jesus was teaching, and his words was with the uh, now, in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us, uh, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? Then he says, I know who you are. Good God Almighty. Can I submit that into evidence? Can I, can I just submit that into evidence? That the demon said, I know who you are. The demon testified on the witness stand that I cliff, I And the demon says this, I know who you are. The holy, good God Almighty. The demon saying the same thing that the angel 
Now you know you got a powerful case when the demon testify on your behalf. You know, I wonder what a demon speak up and say, Bolden, I know. I know who you are. You are a holy child of, oh man, what can our life be like if we can just get a demon to testify what God is doing in our life? Can we get a demon just to recognize who we are in the Lord? This demon recognized that Jesus was holy. And I believe sometimes folks ought to recognize that we Oh, uh, yeah. I know y'all want to get to the resurrection. I'm going to get there. But we got to deal with some holy living right now. Because Jesus had a perfect ministry and he was trying to teach people how to live. Why would a holy God teach an unholy message? And why would he challenge people to live in a way that is not like him? And therefore, he was recognized. The demon saw two things. One, I know you're going to destroy us. We in a fight that we can't win. And then on the other side of that, I know you. This wasn't the first time the demon said that. We see later he was teaching and the demon jumped in and then recognized who he was. So what I'm trying to say is that as evidence, the demon recognized that Jesus was holy. Therefore, I submit to you that Jesus was still perfect while he was doing his ministry. Therefore, men and women of God, as we serve God, we got to try to serve God in a perfect way. We just can't serve him any kind of way. We ought to serve him in a way so that a demon can testify on our behalf and say they're trying to live right. They're trying to do right. Jesus was born perfect. He lived and ministered in a perfect way. And again, on Friday night, Brother Rob, I think you hit a lot of the things he did in ministry. So I want to encourage all of you, go back and get everything that was played on Friday night. Because entwined in this message here is some of what was said on Friday. But they've had more time and they did a better job because they researched just that part. I'm just touching on it today. I can't relitigate because we'll be here till next Easter if I had the time to relitigate what they preached on Friday night. But I'm not trying to do that today, amen? <laughs> now because Jesus was born perfect and he lived and ministered in a perfect way, he was qualified to be the perfect sacrifice. Somebody say perfect sacrifice. He was qualified to be the perfect sacrifice. See, when the law was established, and under the law, any time an animal was offered up for the sins and atonement of the people, the animal had to be perfect, had to be without spot or blemish. So in order for Jesus to be offered up as a sacrifice on our behalf, he had to be without sin. Amen. If he had had sin in his life, he could not have represented us on the cross. So therefore, I want to take a few minutes just to try to prove that he was without sin. In other words, that when they brought charges against him, they found nothing wrong with him, no matter who they took him to. So can I just stop right here for one moment? I don't want you to turn there, but in Matthew 27, verse 4 and 5, after Judas had betrayed Jesus, Cliff, he had a conscious moment. Something got in his spirit and he realized that the chief priests and the elders were plotting to kill Jesus. So he went and testified that Jesus was right. He said, look here, I have sinned uh -huh, by betraying innocent blood. In other words, he was letting them know that the man that you're about to condemn to die was innocent. Everything that I had said about him was a lie, so therefore I want to get the record straight. That he enters, he's without sin. Can I get a witness there? <laughs> Judas testified. Now, I don't have time to turn here, but I thought this was strange too. In Matthew chapter 27, 15 through 19, when Jesus was before the judgment seat of Pilate, Pilate's wife, somebody say his wife, his wife sent him a message saying, leave that innocent man alone. <laughs> you know, when I read that, I found... And I'm glad the Bible don't say what her dream was about. So that leaves room for all these commentators to try to figure out what she dreamed. But all she said in her message was that I had a dream that tormented me, that, that, that caused me some hard time, and, and it caused, and tortured me while I was sleeping. I had this dream, and this dream told me that this man is... And I come to tell you to leave that innocent man alone. 
I don't know what God told her in that dream. But whatever he told us was, was enough evidence for her to present that as testimony. So I want to submit her testimony to you today, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, that if Paula's wife can be used, you can be used to let somebody know that Jesus was an innocent man. That when he died on the cross, he died for your sins. You were guilty, but he was. I'm just still trying to make the case that in order for Jesus to be the, the perfect Savior, he had to be the perfect sacrifice. So let's look now at something that we did see on Friday night. Luke chapter 23, verse 22 through 24. Even Pilate himself found no fault in Jesus. He had done nothing wrong. Nothing worthy of being put to death. But when the time came to release someone, the religious leader called out for a known insurrectionist and murderer to be released instead of Jesus. And Pilate didn't want to give in to that demand, but because they put so much pressure on him, he gave in to that demand. Now look at this in verse 20 through 24 of the book of Luke chapter 23. It says, Pilate therefore wishing, somebody said wishing, wishing to release Jesus, called out to them. But they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Somebody shout crucify. crucify. Somebody shout crucify. crucify. Now on Friday night, they told you and talked about how terrible crucifixion was. I mean, it was a terrible way to die. I mean, that was the way the Romans put you to death under crucifixion. They meant for you to suffer for a long period of time. So they weren't just calling out, to, you know, just beat him like somebody said on Friday night to throw a couple of stones at him. They were talking about hanging him up on a cross with nails in his hand, you know, piercing him in the side and in his feet. And then they were saying, let him hang there until he dies. Crucify him. And these were religious folk. These weren't heathens. These were folk that knew the word of God. But they were crying out, crucify him. Verse 22, then he said to them a third time. Somebody say a third time. Why? What evil has he done? I have found no reason. Somebody say he was sinless. I found no reason to put him to death. I would therefore just beat him, let him go. He was sinless. All Pilate wanted to do was spank him a little bit and send him on his way. But you know the enemy don't give up. You know, just like you're supposed to be persistent, the enemy can persist too. The enemy can keep making demands on certain things too. So therefore, you got to stay consistent in what you do. Because if you don't, the enemy will be, become more consistent than you are. Now look what they said. But they were insistent, demanding with a loud voice. Hmm. Hmm. The enemy can get loud but we scared. When they testifying against him, they get loud. When we testify for him, we get solemn. Something wrong with that picture. They were insisted, demanding with a loud voice that he be crucified. And the voice of these men and the chief priest, somebody say chief priest, prevail. So Pilate Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. Well, if you was here Friday night, Fabian filled in this blank with the movie clip, you know, from the time Pilate gave consent, then Jesus was tortured. He was tormented. He was beat. He was spit on. He, I mean, he was just put through. He suffered. That's what we talked about at the beginning. When we say he learned obedience by the things he you got to go back and look at Friday night to see what he went through in the suffering part to learn that level of old. So after he was put through the suffering, he was taken to a place called Calvary. You know, some of the Bible say Golgotha, just the Hebrew version of Calvary, but it meant the place of the skull. Now, Cliff, I did my research and couldn't find nothing significant but they just figured that either the, the place was shaped like a skull or because it was a place that they crucified folks on a regular basis, some bones must have been left up there and some skull fragments were laying down on the ground. So they just caused it the place of the... Now, on his way to Calvary, you know, Jesus got a little weak, Adrian. 
on his way to Calvary. And God had to have somebody in place to help him carry that cross. You know, and I thought it was strange that God went all the way to Africa to get somebody to be in place. That's what he needed. God always got a way of positioning the right people in the right place at the right time. You know, we look at the movies, that's the only person that you see that looked like you. And when we saw that when I was coming up as a kid, I thought that that was a lousy role to play in the movie. Poor little Simeon, all he got to do is pick up the cross. He ain't even got no words. They didn't give him a speech, babe. He was a stand-in. He wasn't even supposed to talk. But God used the stand-in to carry the cross for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm just trying to make my case that he was perfect. And that he ended up on the cross. Now, when we see him on the cross, I think this was well done on the other night. You know, Sister Maxa did an outstanding job. I can't relitigate her piece because there is no way that I can bring the fire and the energy that she brought to talk about this part. But I will try to just talk about my little piece of the testimony. But I'm going to read some of the things that she said, but I'm just going to talk about the piece that proved that he was perfect. Now, while he was on the cross, the Bible says in Luke 23, 39 through 43, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. They mocked him, saying, you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us. And then he says, while you do that, while you're at it. In other words, while you're at saving yourself, take some time to save me. Now, this criminal, this one, was more concerned about his physical well-being than his spiritual well-being. See, because he thought he was going to get off that. He should have realized that death is coming to everybody, and this is how you're going to go out, buddy. So you know what you need to be concerned about? You living here today, you don't need to be worried about physical death. It's going to happen, whether you want it or not. One way or the other, you're going to either just die of natural causes or something's going to come on you. Or it could be accident. So we don't have to worry about that part of the equation. What we need to worry about is the part that's going to live on after you die. We need to be concerned about our spiritual well-being, not so much about our physical. Sometimes we allow our physical wants and needs to overshadow our spiritual wants and needs. This man was concerned about his physical well-being. Come off the cross and save yourself. And oh, by the way, when you save yourself, save me. But you know, Jesus makes it, you know, that ain't in the plan. <laughs> that, that ain't in the plan. Now look at this. Verse 40 says, but the other criminal, somebody say the other criminal. See, right now, if I was trying to convict some of y'all, I would say, you were the other criminal. Y'all didn't get that, did you? <laughs> See, I, I would say you, you were the other criminal. Because all of us have sinned to come short of the glory. All of us were criminals before we got here. There was a time on Easter Sunday morning, we weren't in church, because we was criminals. Come on, I don't know. Don't get too. I'm gonna get to the resurrection. I'm gonna get there. But right now, I just want to let you know you ought to be giving God some thanks because you the other, you the criminal that has sense enough to recognize who Jesus was, so you change your. It's a good thing to be the other criminal. You're not a criminal anymore, but you were the other. I mean, come on, come on. I wish I had time for testimony. I wish I could call somebody to the stand right now and just let me tell you or let you tell me about your criminal activity. I wouldn't want the lawyers to have to find out and dig it up. You ought to just go and testify and get it over with. And then ask for the mercy of the court. Say, Lord, have Because I was favored, I was the other. Now, all y'all ain't criminal. Now, y'all ought to be shouting. 
Because by you being quiet right there make me think you still got some criminal activity going on. You, you, you ought to have a revelation that, that I was the other criminal. But I got a revelation of who Jesus. <laughs> That's something to shout about. That's something to be happy about on Resurrection Sunday to know that you are the other. The other criminal. See, the other criminal protested. He said, Do, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? When he, we deserve to die for our crime. That's what the other criminal say. Yeah, I deserve what I'm supposed to get. But this man, let me plead my case, has done nothing wrong. Somebody said he realized that Jesus was perfect. He realized that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He realized that Jesus had no sin in his life. He said, this man has done nothing wrong. Still trying to make the case that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know, and Jesus replied, I assure you, Comma, Maxie made this great point on that comma. You know, she taught me some English right there the other night. I was paying attention, Cliff. She said, you got to be careful how that comma is positioned right there. Because sometimes you don't realize where your position is. But when you realize where your position is and you have an aha moment, you understand that he said, I assure you, today, not tomorrow, not next week, but the minute you take your last breath, you will be with me in paradise. Now, Cliff, when I did some research, everybody got all type of theories where they think he was talking about there. Some say that may be a reference to the garden. You know, because the Garden of Eden is considered a paradise, a place like that. Some say it may be a holding place, a place where when you die, your spirit is going to go and kind of be in paradise waiting until you get to heaven. Then there are some who think that maybe it was talking about heaven. I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I don't care where it is. It is irrelevant. All that I need to know is Jesus is there. If he there and I'm there, I'm in the right place. Like Sister Matthew said, I'm positioned in the right place. So this could be in the middle of a desert. But if it's me and Jesus in the middle of that desert, it's going to be an oasis there somewhere. It's going to be paradise. So Jesus let him know, hey, today, I believe that's why Paul told us to be absent in the body is to be present with the Something happened when you take your last breath. That's a mystery to all of us, but something happened. That's why I believe that there are some who think that, you know, I, I didn't always believe in deathbed confession, but I got evidence that there is a possibility that somebody may have that moment before they take their last. They may not have time, Latham, to go and get baptized in the pool. All they may have time to do is acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came, hair hung, bled, and died for their sin, and that he was innocent, and they had, boom. Gone on to paradise. That is a parable that kind of let me know that that may be true, because he hired some at the first hour, some at the third hour, then got some at the eleventh hour. So none of y'all get upset when somebody just go to paradise and live like a dog all their life, but on the deathbed they decided that, hey, I want to try this thing I call paradise. They said, I don't believe. No, 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 you, you, that ain't your business. Leave that alone. Just be glad that you came to your sister before you got to your deathbed. Because everybody don't get an opportunity to say, Lord, I'm sorry on their... So what did that mean to you? That means the next time you stand around a loved one who may be in the process of transitioning, you need to ask the question. If you ain't sure if auntie's saved, you need to ask the question. If you ain't sure granddaddy's saved, you need to ask the question. If you ain't sure big mama's saved, you need to ask, ask the question. Because if she answered the question right in her last breath, then you can be guaranteed that she could be with Jesus, isn't it? So I submit to you that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Even on the cross, we're going to see that he was perfect. Now, 
in Luke 23, 39 through 43. Brother Godley did a good part, did a good job on this. The other night, him and Brother Cliff, they kind of took both of these parts. I definitely can't relitigate both of them guys' testimonies from the other night. So I just submit in the evidence that you go back and listen to that, and you'll get the gist of what these two pastors say. I just want to relitigate this one little part down here at the end where the Roman centurion gave testimony. For the Roman centurion gave testimony. Because we got to understand that Jesus was still making the case on our behalf that he was innocent. Now look at this, verse 44. And Luke says, by this time it was noon, and darkness fell on the whole land until 3 o'clock. Cliff made that very clear about the darkness, what was happening when he was separated from his father. He had never been separated from him, and therefore had to take on our sins. He says, and the light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple, Brother Gollum talked about this, about the temple, how the curtain was rent, and therefore when the middle of the curtain or the curtain to the uh, holies of holy was rent in the middle of the temple, that means that now you got access. So Jesus died to give you access to God. You don't have to come through a man to get to God. You can get to God on your own behalf. But if you don't know how, God will put a man or woman in your life to help you out. But I want you to know, you don't need to come to me to pray. You don't need to come to me to get permission to talk to God. You can go to God yourself. Jesus died and he was innocent. He was a perfect sacrifice so that you can get on your knees and talk to God for yourself. Or you can stand, lay out in your car. However and whenever you want to talk to God, you can talk to him for yourself. Then verse 46 says this. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust. And I think that's what Brother Godler made the point was, you know, when they talk about entrusting my spirit into your hand. You know, Jesus saying, I am now going to entrust back to you what you've given me, and I'm going to put it in your hand for safekeeping. Because I believe that you can keep it while I finish this process because I still got to die and I got to separate this physical body from the spiritual body so therefore you take my spirit while I let the physical do what it got to I hope that didn't go over nobody's head he said, he said now look and then he breathed his last how many of you know all y'all gonna get one of those mm-hmm some of us sooner than we think you know so, so we need to be looking forward and saying God what do you want us to do with the time that we got? Breathe his last. But here's the testimony. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and said, surely, somebody say surely, surely this bed is innocent. So ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect one to die on the cross for you and me. But you know now, as my last piece of evidence, Fabian, i like to present what y'all said in that song. That's not how the story ends. Because after he died on the cross, somebody said he had to go and be buried in a borrowed tomb. In other words, I heard an old preacher say one time that he didn't need to pay for it because he didn't intend to stay there too long. So if I don't intend to live here forever, I don't need to pay for this resting place. I just want to pause here for a couple of days till some things can be completed because I got some work on the other side of this tomb. I still got some work to do. So therefore he went and stayed in a borrowed tomb three days. Then the Bible says three days later, Baby, you read the scripture for him. I ain't going to even go back there. You said three days later, early. Early. I remember you, the old Baptist priest, you said, early. One Sunday in the morning. Not just any day of the week, but on the first day of the week. Y'all do know that Sunday is the first day of the week. So, early. Early one Sunday in the morning. The women went to the grave looking for him, and they found out that he had been. Now, look here. That's important because that's why we're here today. His resurrection is important. The cross is very important. And what he did on the cross, I like what Sister Mackin said the other night, that was like a tactical victory. He didn't drop the A-bomb 
of the nuclear weapon on the cross. He dropped the nuke on Sunday. The nuke showed up early on Sunday morning when he got up out the grave with all authority and all power in his hand. See, because if he don't get up, he's just another dead criminal. If he don't get up, he's just another dead malefactor. If he don't get up, he's just another dead prophet, another dead teacher. But because he got he, he dropped the bomb. He dropped the bomb on Sunday morning. Not only did he drop the bomb on Sunday morning, when he did that, he completed death, Satan, and the grave. In other words, that bomb on Sunday morning defeated your enemy. That means that when he defeated Satan, that's why now Cliff, I got a revelation. When the old people, you say, you got to stop fretting because you're fighting a defeated foe. See, if you don't know that the bomb has already been dropped on Sunday morning, you're walking around thinking that you got an enemy out there that can beat you. But I dropped by in evidence to tell you today, stop fretting. The A-bomb, the new bomb, whatever bomb that needs to be dropped, it was dropped early on Sunday morning when Jesus got up with all power, all authority in his hand. And guess what? He left some of that for you. You can operate in that power. You can operate in that authority. But look here, let me, let me, let me, let me not stop right there. Because Fabian, I know we talked about the resurrection, but that was a perfect ascension too. Because he couldn't just stay down here in that resurrected body. He had to go back to where he... He had to go back to his rightful place, Cliff, where he was seated at the right hand of the Father. When he go back there now, he became our perfect high priest because now oh god let's god i think keisha was trying to make this point on friday night when she said the old high priest done lost his when jesus went back to heaven and sat down at the right hand of the father and started interceding for you you no longer needed a goat you no longer needed a ram you no longer needed any more blood because his blood did it one time for so now you got a perfect high priest who had a perfect resurrection and a perfect ascension. So therefore I submit to you that Jesus lived a perfect life. He is our perfect savior. And that word perfect, that just means he finished. He completed everything that God sent him to do. He did it all. He was born. He lived. He suffered. He died. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. He ascended back to heaven to the throne of God. So I submit to you in closing that from the womb to the tomb to the throne that Jesus was somebody shout perfect. <laughs> Say from the womb to the tomb to the throne. He was perfect and he's our perfect savior. He's the one who died for us. He's the one that we celebrate. He's the one. He's the one that all the glory belongs to. He is the one. He is the perfect one that we imitate, that we emulate, that we try to be like him. We know we cannot be absolutely perfect, but we got a perfect target to shoot for. We don't need to shoot for nothing less than Jesus. So as you live your life, as you strive on, as you try to pursue perfection, pursue it looking under Jesus, who is the author and finisher of your faith. And if you follow his example, if you follow his example, you're going to be all right. If you follow his example, everything's going to work out for you. You just follow that perfect example that is set before you. Cliff, I think you or somebody said, say, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. In other words, he saw you down here celebrate and knew that once you believe, you have a way back to him. And he got joy out of dying. So dying for Jesus was not a moment of sorrow. It was a moment of great joy. The perfect Savior. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give him some praise. Can we sing that song again now? Can y'all do a repeat on that? It was, congregation, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I submit to you that Jesus was perfect from birth to the tomb to heaven. 
And guess what? I rest my <laughs> Oh, glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. Oh, glory. <laughs> oh, glory. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, praise team. Give us something right here. Hallelujah. Y'all need another mic? I don't touch that one. <laughs> Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 He is risen. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, glory to your name, God. Hallelujah. 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 We thank
Our hope is in the resurrection. Our hope is in the resurrection. If there is no resurrection from the dead, then everything that we believe in, everything we do is in vain. Yes, the cross was important, but if there is no resurrection, then we just live in hopelessly. But we all believe that there's going to be a resurrection of the dead. One day, you're going to be raised from the dead. One day, you're going to be seated in the right place. You're going to be seated in his presence. So that better be a resurrection. I done put all my eggs in the resurrection basket, Cliff. I ain't got nothing else to give to nobody else, man. I, like we say, Cliff, I'm all in. If this is a bad hand, I'm going to play it all the way to the end. I'm all in. I ain't taking it back. I'm all in. And I'm going to see what the end's going to bring. Amen? Is there anybody else in the house who's all in today? Hallelujah! Come on now. Give him some praise. Hallelujah! 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 Glory to your name, God. Glory to your name, God. Hallelujah. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Got several appeals we want to make. First, we want to make an appeal for salvation. As we saw, Jesus came to take your sins, took my sins, took our sins. So therefore, if you've not made him the Lord of your life, it's not too late. Yes, I showed you a deathbed confession, but look here, I don't want that to be you. You, you may not get a chance to get to the deathbed. So I, I want you to take an advantage of the opportunity that you have now. That if you don't know Jesus Christ as the pardon of your sin, I just ask for you just raise your hand. Just slip your hands up. You're just saying, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to be saved. I want to make him my personal Lord and Savior. If that is you, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. If you're online and you want to give your life to Christ today, we just ask that you would just give us a call here to church, 850-862-3899. Someone will gladly receive your call, lead you to salvation. What a wonderful time to give your life to the Lord on Resurrection Sunday. 
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Is there a hand that was raised? Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice when someone gives their life to the Lord. Just one soul. Just that one soul giving his life to the Lord. Heaven will rejoice. So therefore we rejoice here in the earth. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to your name, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're here and you're looking for a church home, the Spirit of God is telling you that striving for perfection ministry is a place for you and you would like to become a part of this ministry. If you, even if you're online and you would like to be a part of our fellowship, we ask that you make that same call. Someone will answer your call and take the information. But if you're here and you want to be a part of this ministry, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Amen. See no hands? Then let us go to God in prayer. Our prayer time real quick. I just ask that if you got a, a prayer concern that's on your heart, I ask that you meditate on it right now. Because I just told you from what we learned the other night that, you know, you got access to God for yourself now. You, you don't need to come to a confession booth to talk to me. From your seat, you can speak to God. So I just ask that you make your petitions and your requests known to him. As I pray openly, I ask that you just pray to God, whatever it is on your heart, whatever cares or concerns, whatever praise you want to give him at this time, I ask that you just do that in your own way, at your seat or as you're standing, whatever your position is. I just ask you to do that as we pray. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we honor you and give you thanks on today. God, we thank you for another opportunity you've given us to praise and magnify and worship you, to come and acknowledge your son's resurrection from the grave. God, I thank you for each and, per each and every person that is here under the sound of my voice right now, God. You know all things. You know their heart. You know what their concerns are. You know their cares, God. You know what their needs are, God. You know what their praise reports and their testimonies are, God. So right now, I just ask that you minister to each and every one of them as they sit at their seat, God. Speak to them in your own way. Just like you could speak to Pilate's wife through a dream, you can speak to them right now through this moment of prayer. God, they can hear you speak to their hearts and their minds audible, revealing to them what you would have them to do, what should be happening in their life, what you're doing in their life. God, so I say, speak to them right now, God, in your own way, because with you all things are possible, God, and there is nothing too hard for you. So right now, God, I just thank you, because you said when the righteous cry out, you would incline your ear and hear their cries and answer their prayer. So right now, God, we are petitioning you as the righteous. And so thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. amen. Say amen again. Amen. 